Welcome to Fear Hustle Podcast, part two of our interview compilation. Uh, in this episode, we're going to take our most recent five interviews and kind of condense them down and pull out some highlights from them. It was really difficult to actually pull out the best, best parts. All we were really able to do is say like, hey, this was really good. This was really good. But really, the entire episodes, all of the interviews were amazing. So if you haven't listened to them in their entirety yet, I highly recommend that you go back and do so. Uh, but even if you've already listened to them, I still suggest listening to these uh, highlights that we have here because I'm a big believer that you oftentimes need to be reminded of stuff that you already know more than you need to learn new things. So uh, these episodes are great reminders of some stuff that you may already know, uh, but there's also some key insights that may totally change the way you do reselling and level up your reselling. So in this episode, you're going to hear uh, our interview with Latin Pickers. Sell Quick, Ship Quick, Side Hustle Network, Matt Klein, and Cindy and Matt from the Amazing Taste Store. Hope you enjoy. Episode 80, The Latin Pickers. One day he said, hey, you, Christian, there's people buying like boxes of boxes of books for really cheap. And I said, hey, Junior, we don't have money first. And we don't have a way to like take these huge boxes that weigh a thousand pounds to our house or to anywhere. So... Um, we go to this first thrift so, store. So we go to our first thrift store. And they take us to the back. Yeah, and they take us to the back and we're like, Oh, that's wow, easy. This was easy. Like, this is, you just ask and they like take you to the back and want to sell you the books. So I went, we went down there and they told us, yeah, we can sell them to you. But right now we have a vendor. And, we'll sell it for you for $100. But we'll sell it for you for $100. And you're like, you're And I'm like, yes, like we can get a box for 100 That's awesome. And my brother looked at me well, like. Then we finished. My brother looked yeah. at me is was like, "Are you serious? Why'd you make a happy face? They're <laughs> charging you a hundred bucks." Like this is. Not I love good. your brother's attitude. Like your brother's all yeah, about like, the deal, like, man. Like that That's point, awesome. We're not gonna say anything, but when we left, he said, "Christian, are you crazy? We're not gonna pay a hundred bucks for a box of books." She's a manager and she's kind of she, money. So she's a manager and she's trying to make money for her store. Yeah. So we said, you know what? Let's find the source. Let's find the source the of the hub, basically. Nice. So every every Goodwill has it's the store, and every Goodwill has a hub, the outlet, and every little thrift store has a hub. In our case, so we went to the hub and we're like, "Hey, um, we know that you guys have books, and I was wondering if you guys are able to sell some some books." And they said, "No, no, no, we can't. We actually have a vendor." And I said, how much do you, how much does he pay? $40. And I said, <laughs> what about if you can try us for a little bit? We've done this for a long time. Keep in mind, we just started. We, we were lying. We didn't know anything. So we, they, we told them, hey, we'll pay $50 of Gaylord. We've done this for a while. And if you like us, we can keep in touch and you can sell us more. So you're so buying, gave you're us buying Gaylords. Wait, let me, let me stop you. You're buying Gaylords, yeah. not boxes. We're talking about like yeah. the things behind you, like the massive. Exactly. Well, we, we didn't know what we didn't know what those boxes were called. We were called back then. So now we know that we were buying Gaylords or trifolds of books. All right. So for and, our listeners and, that don't know what a Gaylord is, explain what a Gaylord is, like the weight, how many books. So a Gaylord is a heavy, heavy box, probably weighs around 10 pounds, a little bit less than that. Um, and it holds around a thousand to twelve hundred pounds of books. Wow! And that's equivalent to eight hundred to a thousand books, right? Wow. <laughs> so okay. these things weigh a lot, a lot, a lot. And so when we went down there, we were mesmerized. We were like, we were thrilled. Hey, they give us a chance. We lied. We actually had to lie to get ourselves into the thrift, to the outlet, to the hub. But. They said, okay. So we ran with it. So we started with three. We bought ourselves our our small trailer that holds three Gaylords. And uh, we were going to a park, a local park down there, because we didn't want to waste miles and time. So the hub was right here. The park was over there. And it seemed easy to us to just pick through them right there. So we bought ourselves a canopy, a trailer that holds three uh, Gaylord boxes of books. And so... We set up there and a whole bunch of people in and it's just a random oh park anywhere. And people were looking at us like, why are these guys throwing books to the ground? Like, yeah. do they know this what is hilarious. Doing? Or, sh- should we should we call the cops? Should, we actually didn't even ask because, you know, most parks have like a like a private, uh, property. Pri- private property or they have a manager inside that. Uh, manages everything. Well, we didn't we didn't ask anyone. We, parked we parked and we scanned. We, that's what we did. Obviously, if they came out, we were going to say, oh, we'll leave. 
I'm so sorry. We didn't know. But we did that uh, for around two months until we actually went into the freeway with those boxes. It was a one axle truck. These things weighed 3,000 pounds oh, and that, that little trailer didn't uh, wasn't able to haul, hold that much weight. So we were going on the freeway, probably going 65, and suddenly the trailer starts going like this, just waving back and forth. Oh, no. And it was horrible. So it was waving, and then it, we, it was going like this, like this. So, so I to our listeners friend, on the podcast, it's waving across multiple lanes. Yeah, yeah it's waving across. We're, we're in one lane. We're in the middle lane. <laughs> and this, tra- this trailer is moving, waving uh, j- throughout the lanes. And we're like, slow down, because we had a business partner at that time. Um, and it was like, slow down, slow down, slow down. And we're like, oh, my God, we're going to cause an accident. These books are going to flip. Books are going to fall on the freeway. What are we going to do? Like, this is not, this is not good. Uh, eventually, we slowed down. We took the streets and we took those uh, Gaylord storehouse. But the next day, the, we changed our strategy. Yeah, the next day we changed our strategy. We said we're not going to do this because this is too risky. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna rent a U-Haul, a truck, a truck that hold uh, either six or eight Gaylords. And we were doing that three, four times a week. Every day we spent a hundred dollars. So imagine that's four hundred dollars just on the truck. And we were doing, and we did that for one year. Wow. Wow. Now I, I just, I'm curious about this process. So I, I, I have this mental picture of you out in a park with a scanner, scanning books. So I know what it's like. I've, I've been in, I've scanned books. I've only done it a couple of times. I'm no expert, but I know that yeah. you go through like 30 books before you find one that's like decent price and maybe a hundred books before it's like, this one's like a, a money book. So what are you doing with all these other ones? Are they just like going back in the Gaylord and then are you redonating them to, to Goodwill? Like, what do you do with them? <laughs> So, um, like you said, we were scanning everything. And at that time, we were not getting everything. So a Gaylord probably holds 800 bucks and we were not squeezing every single book. So we were throwing a lot of stuff away. Um, and at that time, the, the recycling market right now, the recycling market sucks. China um, and the U.S. government have a conflict. But at that time, they were paying one hundred and twenty dollars per ton. So that was two Gaylords for $120 and we were doing really good uh, just in the recycling part. Cause imagine we were paying, uh, we were paying $50 a Gaylord and we were getting $60 of recycling per Gaylord. You you can't lose at that point. You can't lose at that point. You can't lose at that point. Uh, The market eventually dropped um, and it went down to 80, 100, uh, 80, 60, eventually dipped to 20 and $0. So at this time, market uh yeah the recycling market is hard so then that's one of the tips we give people if they want to start a book if you want to start book you have to find a recycler first mm-hmm. because then you're gonna you imagine you're gonna just get gaylords and not be able to do anything with them just you 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 don't get paid to store them like if you had one piece of advice that you could give to whether it's new resellers, whether it's teenagers about ready to enter adulthood, whether it's adults that are at that rock bottom stage and they're trying to like change their life. Like what's one thing you would say, like a piece of advice that would be life changing? You know what? Um, I would say, I would say sometimes your brain plays with you and it, it, it tells you no, most of the time you have to jump that and say, you know what? I can do it. And if I fail, at least I tried. At least and I tried. And you, you, just, you just get out every time you fall, you just get up again. Because God knows that we failed many times. And many times people have said no to us. So just jump, keep jumping. And I am lucky, lucky, lucky to have someone next to me, which is my brother, that I can hold, not hold literally hands. But if I say jump, he'll jump with me. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. So like that's that's like two incredible pieces of advice that our listeners, if they take those two things, right? One is buy everything secondhand. And two, don't be willing, don't be, don't be afraid to go to to take the leap of faith and to to keep going. Even if you fail, you gotta keep going. I, I think if if our listeners just add those two things to their life, they're gonna save money and they're gonna find more success. So that's huge. Yeah. And the one one third thing, have a partner. Mm. Everything that if if like you two, you yeah. see, you guys, it couldn't be a podcast with just Orlando, right? There <laughs> has to be a mix of mic. Yeah. And there has to be a mic of Orlando the other way around. Yeah. If you find someone 
that is with you 100% of, uh, um, in the, your operation would just, will just grow. Mm. It, and that's honestly, honestly a good advice. All right. So got just a few more questions before we wrap things up. I'm just super interested. So you said, you know, we've talked about this and you said you fail many times, but I don't hear a lot of failure, like, you know, <laughs> but I'm sure there was. And I, yeah, you know, no I, their figure. I, I know. So we want to talk about it because I want people to know like failure happened. So give us, if you want to share, what was one of your biggest failures as you're growing your business? What's, um, oh, one, one, one big one. And my brother doesn't like me for it. Um, <laughs> I always try to be secretive, right? I always try to avoid conversation. I always try to, um, if, if they say, hey, can you give me a tip? Um, I always say, oh, I used to say, no, I can't, or that's, sec- that's a secret. Mm. The more you talk to people, the better you both are because there's something that someone knows that I don't know. And so we can help both of us out. So. Uh, Orlando, like we've met, we've, we've met, uh, each other. There's some stuff that he knows that I don't know. And there's some stuff that I know that he doesn't know. And if I, even if we wouldn't be, if we didn't meet, we would have never known mm-hmm. what, what we've grown, we've grown together. Now be op- so be open, basically be open. Uh, don't, don't try to hide stuff, meet people, talk to people. Um, one of the best things that ever happened to us in our business was to go to a conference. Well, we went to a uh, conference in Ohio and um, we met one person. You just have to meet one person in that conference. Um, and yeah, we, we paid we paid a ticket. We paid um, $150 a ticket to go to this conference. We paid the flight. We paid the hotel room. But you just need one person to change your perspective, to change your, perspective, to change your business. And this person, I can't disclose this. This is top yeah. secret. It's uh, all good. But this person has 10x our business, and not to use Grant Cardone's, <laughs> but he literally has 10x our business, and we are very grateful. And I know he's going to be watching this. So to you, thank you. Yeah, but one another failure is that we used to get top like the profit. Our profit was minimal, like five dollars when we're doing. That's both. true. That's true. You know what? Yeah. So it, it, by these mistakes, you learn. So before we used to. Basically, cherry pick our gaylords, right? <laughs> yeah. Is that a good term? Yeah. yeah. So we used to cherry pick our gaylords. So we were only getting five dollars and up. We were only getting when we already good had. good books. When we already had the books, these books were ours already. So we were basically throwing away profit. So this is a huge tip that I'm gonna give out to those booksellers. Um, so if the lower the rank, the lower the profit you should be accepting, because yeah. a lot of people. And, and if you hear YouTube, because um, a lot of people go on YouTube and that's how we started to learn stuff. A lot of those uh, teachers out there in the YouTube world, they're like, you're, you can only get $2 profit and that's it. $2, no more, no less, no more or, or, or more, no, no, no less. Well, if it's a 10,000 rank book, which is really, which is really low and it's a dollar profit, are you just going to leave it if you buy a book? Are you just going to leave all these dollar bills out there if they're going to sell this quick as soon as they hit the Amazon warehouse? So the lower the profit, the lower the profit, the lower the rank, the lower the profit. And scan every book. Scan every book. That's right. That's right. We used to not scan kids books back then. Mm. None of them. Like we said, all kids books are not profitable. (laughs) <laughs> well, we were wrong. We scan every single book now. Yeah, can everything. You, yeah. Uh, can you imagine how many thousands of dollars you've just uh, recycled? Oh, we. Yeah. <laughs> how much money we've thrown away? Honestly, we we were every, every day you learn in this business, and you just don't stop learning. Episode eighty four. Sell quick, ship quick. I want to know. So, talk to us about how could you, if you had the ability to sum up your operations in a few sentences, right? Cause you're multi-platform, you have a lot going on. How, how would you, I guess, explain your operation? Now you had mentioned a little bit how you're a team, right? So, you know, Tiffany, you sell quick and he ships quick. So I'm guessing you do the listings and he does the shipping or something to that effect. Explain to us your operation. Uh, okay. So the, I think 80 to 90% of our inventory is clothing. 
So we source together, but once it gets home, I process the clothing. I do the photos and measurements and listings. When they sell, he ships it. If it's hard goods... Yeah, I take care of it all. Yeah. And uh, so, for example, we go to thrift store. We split our ways right when we get in. I mean, Orlando's has seen that in action. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tiff will go straight to normally women's clothes. I'll go straight to the hard goods, electronics, uh, the glass, behind the glass, see what they have, overpriced that doesn't belong behind the glass. Um, <laughs> and then after that, I'll go to men's clothing. Uh, so that's the sourcing part. And then once we get home, she processes, like you said, the clothing. Uh, listings and everything and I'll help out with uh, the hard goods and customer service and yeah and all that splits amongst all the platforms (laughs) but it seems like you skipped a few a lot of things I've you know I've seen I guess the behind the scenes there's a lot that goes on so how do you have that set up so you can actually live while selling on multiple platforms so you have some kind of systems in place well, first, like I think the best way to sum up is our goal is always to be efficient um, because our most valuable thing is time where sometimes we're willing and you guys have talked about it in your other shows uh, about sometimes you pay up to get some of that time you need. That's more important, right? What like, you guys talked about getting uh, somebody to help out at the house to clean, things like that. Um, so in our case, like we want to be as efficient as possible. So one of the things she does well and has really helped us is the cross listing. Um, and she does it on what is it, eBay, Poshmark and Mercari. And she does that with the clothing. Uh, I mean, how long does it take you now? Average? Like two to three minutes to cross post. Nice. Yeah. Like, so start to finish, like taking pictures and then posting about how much time do you spend per item? Do you think? Um, when I averaged it out, I think it takes me, uh, let's see from photograph to measurement to listing. What do we say? Like five to seven minutes in total per item. Nice. And it's yeah. going on how many platforms? Um, three, if it's vintage, then four, because I'll go on Etsy. Nice. So that's like a minute or two per platform. If you think that's about really it, really fast. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It's uber fast. So we have like, I've timed it because I, for efficiency, I have the little mini Google And so I'll talk to Google and ask Google to set up a timer. And I set up a timer to see how long it takes me to photograph. So I'll do a 30 minute timer. At the end of the 30 minute timer, I'll count how many items I was able to photograph. Sometimes it's 11, sometimes it's 14. It all depends on the item. Yeah. But when I say photograph, it means photograph, measure, fold, and bag. And then, so that'll take anywhere from one to three minutes, depending on the item. Um, and then because it takes two to three minutes for me to cross post, and that adds up to about, you know, anywhere from five to seven minutes. Nice. That is incredible. And you guys have YouTube videos, right? That you show how you do the cross posting and all those things, right? Yeah. So you're also yeah. on YouTube. We haven't talked about that, but you've been dropping a lot of videos lately on YouTube. I guess that would be another thing to add to our <laughs> to your repertoire. Yeah, yeah, we, we are. We do our best to stay on top of uh, our social media, including YouTube. Uh, so we are fairly we're we're fairly active on Instagram, yeah. and yeah, like you said, about three at least three videos a week. Yeah. Wow. And your social media is great. Like I love watching your stuff because it's just funny, right? Like you guys are funny. Um, you're always either dressing up as something or singing or dancing or I don't know, you make it fun. Like it's not just like, here's an item. I paid this much. I made this much. Like like you, you, you have a lot of fun with what you're doing. And I think it's like contagious. People see that and it, it brings joy to the reselling. So like, is that just your personality? Is that how you guys are all the time? Or is that like something you do just for social media? Not that you want to admit that, but like what? Yes. They're just terrible people. <laughs> Orlando's been around Orlando and knows, front yeah. all day. Yeah, they have to hide it really well if, if that's who they are. No, um, that's what helps us. I mean, I know a lot of people look at us and say like, you know, why don't you guys rest, stop, you know, but we have fun doing things together. So we don't actually feel stressed out as much. By all means, we all have our stresses um, from any, any jobs we do. But, um, you know, by making it fun, it definitely makes time fly. Yeah. And slowly, we just started sharing that more and more on social media. But him dancing, that's... um Like, it, it really oh, is. Yeah. What you guys... you uh, uh, Social media gets about 
15 to 20 percent of the shenanigans i actually do all day um, you guys know i get it so talk to us okay let's get back to logistics then so talk to us about your use of a spreadsheet. Like, what do you include in that spreadsheet? How'd you come across it? Or how'd you create it? And well, how's it been helpful? I know that's a lot of questions. So just go um, with it. So spreadsheets. I think my first time looking up spreadsheets, I found like a YouTube video. Um, someone, I forgot who it was, but showed their spreadsheet. So I created my own spreadsheet. It was not the most efficient one, but I would keep track of where we got the item, the date we got it, the item name and price. And then I would input how much we sold it for to figure out net profit. Um, that was our entire 2018. By the end of 2018, I wanted to figure out a better way to keep track of our bookkeeping and our inventory management. And I found Not Your Dad CPA and he had a free spreadsheet on his website. Anyone can download it. And I found it and I liked it, but I tweaked it for us, mm. um, I, the aesthetic of it, I made it more aesthetically pleasing for me. It's a lot prettier. Um, it's more and then posh. I, I wouldn't call it posh. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, and it's more um, specific. So on his, I think on the Not Your Dad CPA one, it didn't include the net profit. And so I included the net profit. And then I also included in, so I put location, date purchased, item, the price, and then it'll be a sales date, the sales price and shipping. And then I put in the shipping, um, fees and the net. Yeah. And then I also have a column for indicating if that item was returned or not. Hmm. Wow. So then I'll indicate if it got returned and then if it got returned, then I put in the numbers and then I'll turn that line item red to show that we're in the negative for that one. Mm -hmm. So then when we resell it, it'll, you know, it'll match adjust, up. Yeah. yeah. Um, but on my spreadsheet, I actually have it where it populates onto another spreadsheet. That's my yeah. dashboard. Um, and on that dashboard, it'll actually give me the monthly totals for each platform. And then it'll also give me an overall total for all the platforms. So every Sunday I do bookkeeping Every Sunday, we'll get an update. It'll let me know how much we made that week on Poshmark, on eBay, on Mercari, on Amazon, and then how much we made in total amongst all of them. Nice. And I can see how much we've spent in cost of goods on those items. We can see which platform will pay more is. fees. Yeah, yeah. or return. Uh, the other great thing on there is that she added shipping. Um, and that allows us to see, you know if we're how much we're spending on shipping. Yeah. Uh, Cause one thing uh, I've thought about is trying to make sure we have an idea. And thanks to her spreadsheet, we can see what we're shipping, how much we're spending on mm -hmm. shipping to possibly try to get our own account one day for a shipping account in terms of going to USPS yeah. and trying to get our own rate. Oh, wow. But, doing, but like doing this and doing the timing, it all makes sense for us because if I time how much it takes me to photograph and list, I can put a time value per item. So when I do my spreadsheets, if I can see if we're netting $10 off this item, then that's $10 in six minutes. Okay. That is, is that worth I it? mean, you are, I mean, okay. Do you have an accounting background or is this just natural for you? No, she was personality. a high school class president. She was a leadership through most of high school and she's got organization down. Nice. No, it's impressive. I mean, I, I, I knew all this, but I, I, you know, you kind of forget. And then I'm reminded about how efficient you guys are with your time oh, yeah. and, and your money and your numbers. And uh, thanks to her stuff, I stopped picking up certain things that if I kept going under my own uh, pile system, I was like, oh yeah, I'm, make, I'm totally making money on that. And then she'd come out and be like, well, after everything, you made two bucks on that. Is it worth the time for everything? Yeah. And the time is sat there for $2. So and you're saying, me, sorry, go ahead. Oh no, oh no, I was going to say, part of me wants to say yes, just so that I'm not, you know, I can say, <laughs> yeah, totally. But the reality is, it's not. <laughs> so you're saying that comps isn't enough, that it goes beyond comps. So you might find some comps, pick it up. And ultimately, in the end, as a result of a best offer or return or whatever reason, it may not be profitable. Like, OK, if you're going to pick up an item that's going to take 30 minutes to clean, 
it, you know, you have to consider the time that you spent sourcing it, the time that it's going to take you to prep the item, the time that it's going to take you to photograph it, to list it. If it's an item you have to spend a lot of time researching, it takes you 30 minutes to research, 30 minutes to clean, then you sell it and you think you netted $80. Well, $80, but then it took you a whole hour to actually work on that. And then is it worth it? Yeah. No, I, no, I, that's something that I think many of us don't do, you know, especially me that I'm full-time. I think I have all the time in the world. Right. So to me, it's no big deal. I mean, the one thing I won't mess with as much anymore is let's say dual deck VCRs and, and recorders, because I think I'm making a lot of money, but the time that I spend trying to fix something, get it prepped, get it packed, I may not, I may make more money on a Harley shirt. I mean, I'm being exact, you know, extreme, but no, yeah. Or, or, or two or three Harley shirts that you can get done way faster than one dual dip. Yep. I think that's so powerful that you guys share that. I hope our, our listeners are, are listening in because that is, that's huge. I, I think that, that much is said in the reselling community about that. Really appreciate you guys sharing that. That's pretty yeah, awesome. And, and that's the stuff that's not necessarily fun too. Because I, I remember Orlando and I have talked about oh, this on, I, I on multiple podcasts. And I've, and I've I mentioned, you know, like, we got to use spreadsheet. You got to know because there's, there's a lot yeah. of other costs involved. Even the mileage that it takes to get the items and all of that is put in, in, into you know, how much are you actually making, even when it comes down to time to do taxes, right? And numbers aren't what a lot of people find enjoyable. But the reality is the numbers is the reason why we're doing this. And all of those numbers become tools in your your toolbox, like you said, so you're not wasting time on on items. That's great. Episode 88, the Side Hustle Network. We're four years deep on this. Perfect example. I did a post. When did I do those six carts out of one store? Like uh, maybe two months ago. Yeah, like six to eight weeks ago, I was fortunate enough. I walked into this Walmart. They were doing a hard reset. Anyone who's in the business kind of knows what those terms are. They were doing a hard reset. They were deleting mods is what it's called. Bring a new inventory and getting rid of old stuff. I was finding toys for $2 at for 20 plus awesome. all day long. I pulled six carts full of toys out of that. Which fortunately, <laughs> I fit all of it. I was driving her car luckily that day because <laughs> I went in expecting to get, you know, five, 10, 20 things, six carts. And then I'm able to post out on Instagram like, whoopee, look at yeah. the money I'm going to make. <laughs> yeah. Last night, I did a post and it was an empty shopping cart. And I said, this sums up yes. my six hour sourcing day today. That's the reality. That's how I can yeah. elaborate is you have to be willing to ride the roller coaster because this thing is a roller coaster. Um, and that's, I think with any business, we could just, you know, talk general business here, not just reselling specifically, but it was the same thing when I was a massage therapist, I had months where we had thousands of dollars extra because I worked on so many clients. I'm like, cool, we can go out and eat when we want. We can go do all this fun stuff. And then the next month I'd have trouble paying our rent because I didn't have any bodies on the table. Same thing with personal training, right? Mm -hmm. It goes, January is awesome for personal training. July, not many people want to go work out with me. So um, I learned early on, just any business you do, you have to be willing to ride the roller coaster. And plan ahead. And plan ahead. The people we see come and go in reselling are the ones who have an expectation that sales are going to climb and it's linear. They're going to keep climbing month after month. It doesn't work that way. Even if you're sourcing your, your butt off, it's not going to work that way. You're going to have seasons of, you know, sometimes it's really slow. Sometimes it's really busy. We have Q4, which is you know the months around Christmas time are incredible. And I had that false expectation because I started this whole thing in November <laughs> as a newbie. And I'm like, wow, I can pull these numbers every single month with Amazon. Great. And then February, more people do. Yeah. <laughs> February got here and I was, I got a, a quick wake up call with half my sales that month as the prior month. Um, so if you're willing to ride the roller coaster and stay consistent with this thing, um, that's, that's the mentality people need to come into it with. That's good. So what are, what are some of the strategies you use? Like, I mean, obviously we talk a lot on our podcast about like saving and being prepared for times when the market's down or when you're not able to source as much, but how, how do you keep that, that mindset of it's down right now, but I can keep going. Like, how do you encourage people through that? I, think I would say diversify first of all. Yeah, that's again, it comes back to like our brand side hustle network is because we're huge fans of multiple side hustles that makes up the ultimate business for us. Um, so diversifying if you can. I know a lot of people that jump way too soon. And we were kind of in that arena where we she quit her job probably six months too soon. 
because we didn't have a large savings account. We had enough to float by for a few months. And we both realized real quick that we were going to be pretty financially tight for a few months until we got this business up. Um, so diversifying your income streams is a huge one. Um, and that doesn't mean you have to one. have a huge YouTube channel when you no. get started. It just means like we sell, we started on Amazon and then eventually moved to eBay. And, you know, uh, a lot of people sell, we don't sell on Mercari, but a lot of people sell on Mercari. Mm. We sell on Poshmark. We're really big fans of local sales. Um, you yeah. know, there's lots of ways to make money. Yeah. So when we say diversify your income, that's not, you need another job or something like that. It doesn't have to be that for some people it is, but diversifying categories, types of products. If you're, if all you sell is shoes all year, you're probably going to see some dips on some months, right? Especially if you're selling cleats, there's going to be certain mm -hmm. times during the year that those do really well. So instead of selling shoes all year round, if you catch a trend of like, well, during these months or these seasons, shoe sales are down. Why don't I try to flip and go for something else? Kitchen and home, go for toys, go for video games. Um, so finding multiple different outlets and products are going to help out. And then what are some of the mistakes you'd like to share? Or, or, Haven't we already talked about all our mistakes? You did a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> bad buy. What was a bad buy? Bad buy. One oh, single golly. bad buy? Yeah, like a bad purchase where you're like, oof, this oh, this was a bad buy. Like a major, a but a major buy. one. It can't be like the $5 buy. It has to be, you know. Yeah, yeah we've all made bad. the, uh, so our biggest one, um, we, <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> we so like we being real on this podcast. We kept an item from this because it was such a bad buy and we had to remember it for every future purchase. So, oh, okay. Yeah. Now I'm I our, our most now. expensive mistake. Yeah, we had spent. So we had our garage. We were a year. No, not even a year. We were probably six, six to eight months. months. Yeah. Into the Amazon game. Uh, we had just kind of started dabbling into eBay for your clothing stuff. So we knew we had eBay to sell this stuff on. And I thought, well, I've flipped at this point, at least like 10 pallets worth of liquidation stuff. Just fine. Why don't we commit to buying half a truckload, oh, which uh, instead of buying one or two pallets at a time, we now are committing to at least 10 oh, in one load in our garage. Yeah. God bless our neighbors who are good <laughs> friends of ours when we had to call them like, hey, um, how much room do you have in your garage? Oh, man. So we found out if we cleared one small walkway up the middle, we can fit eight pallets in our garage. And then the other three in their garage. Oh, geez. And so I pallet jacked those pallets down the road all the way to their house. Um, but we, we looked spent, like lunatics, so, by the way. <laughs> so the mistake was I looked through these manifests, not all the way. And if you don't know what a manifest is, it's just a, typically an Excel spreadsheet that will show an itemized breakdown of everything that's in that load. So I took a general look because, you know, I was a palette pro at the time i had flipped 10 of them i knew what i was doing so i looked through this stuff and i'm like oh my gosh it's only three thousand dollars to get 11 pallets so i broke it down how many units were in each pallet and this is where i didn't look through the manifest all the way i just looked at more so how many units in every pallet mm. and then i took three thousand divided by how many units that's how much we're going to pay so i told the sales rep okay i want to get these 11 pallets is what they had up for grabs and it was buy all or nothing so i had to buy all 11 I'm like yep this works out fine that breaks down to like $5 a unit. I know I can sell this stuff for 10. We're good. And then the shipping costs got landed on. I had never dealt with freight on mm. this big of a load before. I was used to paying like a hundred, maybe 200 bucks for a pallet. So he came back again. This was $3,000 in inventory costs. Came back with $2,800 for freight. Yeah. yeah. So I've never <laughs> dealt with freight. I didn't know that that was stupid high. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. I didn't know any better. Now I know that that should have cost less than 1000 to ship to me. Mm. So There's my, all these lessons in yeah. this story. My, Everybody pay attention. Yeah. <laughs> so my buy cost now doubled from about $5 a unit to now almost $10 a unit, which is what I thought I was going to sell this stuff at. And of course, <clears throat> I could have stopped and be like, you know, it's a little bit too high on our cost. I'm just going to move on to the next deal. Thanks for your time. That's what I should have done. But I was eager and, and a little money hungry to make that deal. Mm. So I'm like, yep, done. Send me the invoice. Paid almost $6,000. The stuff gets shipped here. We store it. And in my head, the second mistake was how much time it would take. Mm. Right. So first mistake was the money up front, the shipping cost. 
without looking through the manifest properly. Second mistake was the time I thought and I told her, because this is when she just had quit her job to come help me do all this. Because I thought, what better way than ordering 11 pallets <laughs> yeah, to get you in the Put it to work, right. man, you know? So You'll definitely want to do this after. Yeah. <laughs> in my head, I'm doing the math. I'm like, okay, if I do, if we do this many units, blah, blah, blah. So I had told her, I'm like, yeah. So we got the 11 pallets. We sorted them. And she was, again, she has a little bit of anxiety stuff going on sometimes. Yeah. So she looked at this and like. <laughs> I lost it. I lost it. What are we doing? <laughs> and how many days did I tell you it would take? We, we really thought we could get through it in a week. I told her it would take seven days to get through all this. Mm-hmm. About four, three weeks later, three to four weeks later. Yeah. We're still processing a bunch of stuff. Oh. And this was now, if anyone now we know better. And at the time, if this had been shelf pulls, um, this would have been a different story. Shelf mm. pulls is when a store can't sell a product. So it's all still new in the box and they mm. ship it to you. This was customer returns, mm. which means there was a lot of boxes yeah. beat up. There was a lot of testing because we got toasters and crock pots and all wow. that stuff needed tested. This just cleaned. sounds painful. It was like a it was like a litter of just like appliances oh just plugged gosh. into electrical outlets wherever we could just test things and make sure yep. they turned on. And then it was a and I'll never. Do we'll you never guys have any it. documentation of this? Do you guys take any video of this? No, I'm sure I've got photos. That would be great because you know the the. Out. The videos that get the most views right now are, are still, I mean, not as much, but it's the pallet, right? But usually yep. they're like successful. If you had yeah. one that said, we ordered 11 pallets and they all failed, like <laughs> never that would be, pallets that'd be awesome clickbait. Anyway, just throwing <laughs> it out there. Uh, that's a prime example of what we should have been doing earlier on. Now we're way better at this, but earlier on, and this goes for all content creators, YouTubers, Instagram, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Don't just share the highlight reels. Mm -hmm. I was so embarrassed at the failure we had that I was like, I'm not taking any footage of this. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be just, I'm going to be told, I told you so. <laughs> I knew you were going to fail this business. All those things running mm -hmm. through my head. So we have a few photos. We didn't take any video, uh, which unfortunately now I know better. That would have been so not just a cool video to do to look back on, but I know how much that would have helped so mm -hmm. many more people that have made that same mistake. Um, but yeah, so about four weeks into this, we're processing and I'll never forget the item that we kept because it was about two in the morning and that those were the nights that we were putting in. It was about mm -hmm. two in the morning. We're exhausted. We've been doing this for weeks and we're pulling out stuff. And again, we're keeping in mind our buy costs per unit. So every item you pull out, you're like, that's not worth $10. That's not worth $10. Mm. She pulls out this brown box about this big and shakes it. She opens it up and it's a four pack of these little coat hangers that you, you know, the white things you put on the wall. They have oh, coat right. Except for only one of them still had the little hook on it. Oh, the other two were broke. And it, you know, it's a dollar ninety-nine at Walmart. And she picks it up and she loses <laughs> her mind. She's like, I paid for this. And she goes <laughs> the whole garage. Uh, we have the, we have the like the most epic meltdown we've ever seen yeah. in our in our 14 years being together. Yeah. And we, we still, can laugh now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Some time of healing has passed. Yeah. 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 So we still to this day kept the item yep. and it's in our in our warehouse, in our warehouse on a shelf so we never forget we do not do a load like that again without mm. proper research yeah research <laughs> and and i am a data hound now after that experience i i just almost won't buy something if there isn't any data and and that can be a fault but um it depends like antiques collectors yeah. that's a little mm. bit different but this type of load right and that also the last point too was that was all of our money we had no yeah. capital. Like we couldn't source mm. after that. So that was, you know, the mistake that being the third one was we put all of our capital into one thing, all of our eggs in one basket. Never do that. You, the, the, the fewer amount of dollars you have, the wider you should be going on product, mm -hmm. right? If you've got a hundred bucks to your name, don't buy one type of item for a hundred bucks. You mm. try to split it across five items. Mm. Um, the more capital you have access to and play around with, sure. You can go a little bit deeper on stuff, but that was the other biggest mistake we made was all of it went towards one thing, um, which we ended up probably making like a thousand profit at the end of the day, but on six grand by cost. And it took probably mm. three months to recoup that. That was not it was rough. <laughs> worth yeah. it at all. That was, that was the first legit time. I'm like, screw this. Yeah. I'm going back to doing massage therapy. I'm, I'm out. <laughs> 
Well, this, see, is, uh, this is tough. What's amazing about that story, though, is you said that was right after uh, Trista started staying home. Yep. Is that you kept going like like if any time you're going to you're going to throw in the towel like that would have been it. But the fact that you kept going, I mean, that says something that says that you've got the hustle. You've got what it takes to to stay motivated, to keep at it, which is, I think, ultimately why you've been successful. Right. Because everybody's going to have those down times. You're going to make those mistakes and it's going to be the people who are willing to keep going and keep going for it. So my hat's off to you. That's that's amazing. That's encouraging to me. I mean, my wife just started staying home just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, to don't, do buy Congratulations. <laughs> don't buy 11 pallets. <laughs> uh, episode 92, Matt Klein. I don't know. I was just always trying to, I was always trying to make money. And I think the most interesting story about high school is the Gatorade story. Have, have I told you that? No, I, I mean, I haven't heard this it. Is, Please let's hear it. But I wonder where this is going to go. So, you know, so, so, uh, Michelle Obama took away like healthy or uh, took away like the bad foods uh-huh. uh, in the school cafeteria my senior year. So it's like 2012. And um, before they had like Gatorades and ice cream and slushies and candy and anything you want that you could buy, you know. Um, so she took it all away. And my thing was, I just wanted a Gatorade to drink on a Thursday <laughs> or a Friday before the game. So the crazy thing was, um, I was at the store and I found 10 bucks on the ground and I was like, let me just buy some Gatorades. Nice. I had the money to buy Gatorades, but I was just like, Oh, 10 bucks free Gatorade. ROI. So I brought it to, <laughs> so I, ROI, there you go. <laughs> so I brought it to school and, uh, I had no intent on reselling it to be honest, but like five people were like, Hey, can I have one? I'm like, no. They're like, can I buy one? I'm like, yeah. So I just sold them for a dollar. And then it's like a total like reinvesting story. It's, it's like what I do in my business now. Little did I know what I learned doing Gatorades would carry on. But nice. the catch is, the catch is I sold 1700 Gatorades Whoa. in about Whoa. three months. Wow. It was a, it was a big operation. Man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah never you're Gatorade man, for sure. <laughs> you're, you're the supplier. Now, so how are you carrying those around? Like, did you just like load them up in your backpack? Were you like... <laughs> have a wagon like well how how do you move that much gatorade so in my locker had like this little cooler so well customers were complaining (laughs) that that it wasn't cold and i'm like okay you know this is great i had this little uh little cooler and stuck them in there and then i had this over the strap like carrying and it could fit six gatorades so i'd have to like restock and but looking back on it now man i learned a lot about just customer satisfaction and just little stuff, little nuggets that you could take from it. Um, but I actually got in trouble and yeah. you'll like this Orlando cause you were a principal, right? <laughs> yeah, I was. Yes. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> the principal comes up to me and says, Matt, are you selling Gatorades? And this is in the lunchroom. I'm like, I lied to be honest. I'm like, no, I'm like, I'm not. He goes, let me ask you again, Mr. Klein, are you selling Gatorades? And I said, yes, sir. He goes, look, I love your entrepreneurial spirit, but I don't want to see it again. You got me. And he kind of like winked in. I'm like, wink, wink. Oh, oh I'm like, OK, you, yeah, you won't see anything again. And from there, it got really sketchy. And, you know, I had to like start doing like these hidden deals. And uh, we're talking about Gatorade. Yeah. No, yeah. I like the image of like you kids crowding around you in like the, the corner of a building. And you're like. <laughs> Dishing them out, looking yeah. to make sure that nobody's 305 <laughs> over in this yes. room. Yeah, no, that's bring great. cash only. Make sure no one's following you. Yeah, I love that. That's awesome. <laughs> but the rule, the rule is, um, you know, the lunchroom is supposed to make money, and yeah. you can't be a competitor. And I, I get it. But um, and the crazy thing was, I just reinvested, so I never spent a dollar wow. from what I earned with Gatorades. And I mean, I had like, you know, I sold a thousand, and I had a thousand bucks, yeah, and I'm wow. like. I should just go buy an iPhone with this yeah. or whatever. That was back when the iPhone four was around, by the way. <laughs> yes. But uh <laughs> which goes to show like, yeah. like you're probably glad you didn't. But you know, that says something too. I mean, yeah. just thinking about your background, because cause when you come from a place like that where you don't have a lot and you're 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 struggling to to make ends meet, and then all of a sudden you've got a bunch of cash in your hand, and the fact that you don't blow it, right? Yeah. Step one is that you were willing to go out and work really hard for it. And then two, you have it. And then you didn't just see like short term. And I think that's something that that a lot of young people and just people in general is this idea of like delayed gratification, like waiting a little bit longer yes. to get something better. Like, is that something you've always had or like what made you not spend that money? Um, 
I really don't know, man. I, I don't really need anything. Uh, I always just live below my means and still do to this day. Um, I don't know. I just, I just didn't need anything. So I wanted to see how many Gatorades I could really sell. And the only reason I stopped is I told you I had bad shoulder surgery, so I could no longer carry the thing around. Wow. So, all right. But, so let's yeah. fast forward a little bit. Let's get to, was it thrift stores that got a hold of you? Was it a garage sale? Was it you going to a Nike store? Cause we're going to talk about this a little bit, but you primarily sell Nike shoes. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Um, but I've been selling for six years now. So six years. Okay. Um, well, to answer your question, it was actually an estate sale. Oh, really? Okay. And at the at the time, I went with my girlfriend's dad, and okay. we were. It was one of those things where, uh, you know, the house was open, and then there's like a like a closet, or it was like a second room in the garage, and there was all this stuff, and like we moved the stuff, and we went into the this little room, and of course we asked if we could, and he's like, yeah, he's like, I don't know what's in there, but uh, you know, go ahead. Oh, it was crazy. It was, it was weird though, because you're learning about what this person did, like with their whole life and like everything else, uh, whoever it was, was like a, was like a leader in the army and he had all these medals and coats and there was probably a lot of money in there, but I found this, uh, stopwatch, which was really cool. Well, two, one was a stopwatch and one was like uh, a pocket watch. Um, so I found those and, uh, my girlfriend's dad bought them and uh, he took it home and he opened the back of it and there was gold gears in it. Whoa. So it ended up selling for like four seventy five or wow. something. And this and was on the e- other one on sold eBay? for he did it on eBay. Okay. Wow. I was just there. I just found it, right? <laughs> um, but he said, uh, hey, thanks. He said, Thanks for finding them. And it was like one of those handshake kind of things. And I just put it in my pocket because I was leaving. And I got home and I counted it and it was 300 bucks. Wow. Nice. And I was like, holy crap. Um, so that's where I think it kind of, I don't know, just finding, finding gyms. And that's what I like about you guys, man. Especially Orlando posted all the time, all the gyms you find at garage sales. I love it. And that's why I love your content so much. Thanks. Appreciate this is so that. cool. Well, I love watching yours. And here's the thing. So you started... Did you just, what, uh, what I want to know is how did you go from, it seems like you started, I was look, tracking your Instagram story, a little stalkerish, but you know, I wanted to get a little more background on you. <laughs> we'll call it research. We'll yeah. call it research. Yeah, that's research. We'll that's, it. Okay. that's cool. That's there cool. You go. But you know, it, it seems like you did a few thrift stores and then there's like this jump to Nike outlets and stuff like that. So what, what, what did it do? Was it, were you doing like side hustle while you were going to school and then as you had less school, you ended up picking up more. Like what happened? Great question. Um, the honest answer is, so I transferred back from the school I was playing football at and I transferred back home. Uh, okay. And we have a big division one school next to us. Uh, so I went there and after the first semester, they called a counselor called me in and said, Mr. Klein, uh, you know, we need you to get your grades up. And I said, OK, yes, I said, yeah, no problem. Um, you know, I'll work on it and I get up to leave and she says, no, I, I need you to sign on this line right here that you're, you're going to get your grades up or you're kicked out of here. Wow. I had a 1.4 GPA. I, I'm sorry to tell you, but I've been there. That was my freshman year. Yes. So oh, wow. anyways, we'll share another time. I ended up with 4.0 is my last two years, but yes, wow. I've been there. So, yeah, I mean, you can turn it around. I think from my problem though was. Um, I don't party or anything. I wasn't out like, you know, partying it up. I had two jobs. I was working, um, McDonald's in the stock room. So I was organizing all their inventory and then I started ordering the trucks. So it was kind of cool. Um, and then I started working at, um, like a steakhouse. I was trying to be a server to make the real money. Um, and I realized I'm like, man, I said, I'm working too much and I'm not focusing enough on school. So I quit McDonald's and, um, I started working at the steakhouse. And like I said, I was trying to be a server after a year, the boss said she couldn't fill my shoes, um, to promote me up. Mm. So I said, okay, I started going to thrift stores and I was buying like, um, just athletic stuff, like anything I would wear, um, like polos and under armor polos and stuff like that. And it got to a point where I started making more money during my shifts from eBay and hearing the cha-chings and stuff. And it was like, it's, it's time to leave. If you're not going to promote me, then yeah. I'm going to leave. So, 
So did you buy a and lot I, of junk when you first started? Like, were you doing research? Like, how did <laughs> how did you figure out what to source? So it's it is crazy because now the resellers are spoiled rotten because uh, <laughs> you can just you just tell them the whole process, right? Like, mm-hmm. I never I had to learn eBay on my own, and uh, I had a little help from my girlfriend's dad, um, but I was no longer with her, so it was a little divide, right? But um, I had to just figure it out and looking up the comps and everything else. And yeah, I bought a lot of bad stuff. <laughs> I bought a lot of terrible, like used shoes. Some of the, some of the, the shoes that I bought, I'm like, I, I probably still have some today. It's just like, why on earth did you buy that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It happens to everybody. Yeah. So you went thrift stores and then what got you into the retail arbitrage? What, what, how, how did that end up happening? So, um, that's, that's also interesting too. So I was at the store that shall not be named. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you got to listen to the podcast. There you go. <laughs> so I was at the store and I found, uh, I had a buddy with me. So I found 280 pairs of Adidas soccer cleats Whoa, whoa. and they retail, they retail for like 12 bucks. Um, but they were a dollar. Nice. So I'm like, uh, I can sell the, I can make a dollar, you know, I can spend a dollar and make a dollar. Um, so I bought them all. And my buddy that I was with thought I was completely crazy. (laughs) Um, but I called my uncle, uh, I got a successful, uh, entrepreneur uncle Mm -hmm. and, uh, I called him. I'm like, I'm like, Hey man, you know, like I just found all these socks. Like I'm going to sell them, you know, da, da, da. And he said, socks. He's like, man, you're gonna have to do something more than socks. So they're not cleats, they're socks. No, it was just socks. Oh, just socks. So okay, that's just want to make sure. Okay, that's when I I stumbled on. They weren't selling that fast on eBay, and it was actually the retargeted ad that Amazon uses. And I saw the pair of my socks on Amazon for like double the price, and I'm like, "What? Oh man!" I go, "I need to I need to try to sell these on Amazon." So again, I call like I figured it out. I call a lot of hours on support. Um. And I remember doing my first FBA shipment. And wait, I did, wait, let's, I, I want to rewind you, Matt, real quick. So you're saying you didn't go to YouTube and watch like YouTubers do Amazon FBA because there wasn't that much I, FBA content six years ago. I don't think so. No, no really, yeah, I don't. There think was so. maybe I remember Gil Daddy and I remember some other old school people, but there really wasn't much. So, so you're saying you called Amazon and they walked you through the process of how to do the shipment? Yes, and wow. I don't think. Now you have to like go into the, like the forms and then like request a call and all this stuff. This was, I mean, it, I feels like it wasn't that long ago, but this was back when you could just call in to seller support huh. and, and so they could you, walk you through anything. Wow. And so you sent in the socks to FBA. Yes. And then all of a sudden, man, I got this email that said I sold 10 of them and I'm like, what wow. the first day? Like what? So sure enough, man, I sold all those socks and I went down to Florida and I wanted to take my, uh, my cousin on a fishing charter and I invited my uncle and, uh, I said, don't worry about paying for it. The socks are paying for it. Nice. <laughs> so, nice. He said, you're going to need more than socks. And you're like, no, 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 I, I got this. No, let me. Yeah. So it was, but, uh, that's how I got into FBA. Episode. We wanted to take a quick moment to thank our sponsors for this episode. Episode 96, Cindy and Matt from the Amazing Taste Store. So when I started selling on eBay, like that was back in the day. So you get, you may or may not remember, like back before pictures, back when people sent you cash in the you know, mail. Money orders. Yeah, money orders. There weren't a lot of options out there. If you wanted to, especially if you wanted to sell used clothing, eBay was pretty much the only game in town. Mm. And that was okay. It worked great for a long time to just do eBay. Um, And then as you came on board, it became more pertinent to us to have our income be more stable. We didn't want all our eggs in one one basket. basket. You know, um, so Matt had worked before the job he hated. In the housing industry, when the housing market crashed, mm. and you walk into work one day, and he calls me on the phone. He says, "We're getting furloughed for ten days this month." Oh, hmm. That's rough. Yeah, and so we didn't ever want to be in that position again. And having all of our eggs in the eBay basket, 
left us susceptible to that same outcome. Mm. So as those opportunities came to diversify, we've taken them and we've seen which ones work for us, which ones don't. Not everything works. Not everything makes sense. But yeah, I think that's kind of why we... Yeah, you know, you're just... Unfortunately, if you're selling just on one platform, you're really um, susceptible to if something go happens to that platform and they crash for the day, you know, you had one day where you had a bunch of high-end auctions up and auctions crashed. So you didn't Way get back any, in the day. You, you got like one bid on each oh, item. Man. You mean there were glitches back then? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. For anyone who's watching who sells clothing... I had found probably 20 pieces of Escondar. So I had oh, okay. all of this high-end women's clothing. Yeah. And back in the day, you could only do auctions. I ran them all at auctions, started them all at $9.99. Every last one of them sold for $9.99. Oh, wow. wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and back then, they were selling for, what, two, three $300? Oh, yeah. Now, did and you have to honor those? Yeah, I honored every one of them. Wow. I sent them out and took the hit and have not forgotten that day i know exactly where i found them i know exactly what they were but that's just it you're susceptible it it was a glitch you know the site went down as those auctions were ending and those buyers got a great deal so just out of curiosity do you guys use auctions anymore or are you pretty much now like buy it now we actually have auctions ending tonight oh wow we do yeah we do so what's your strategy for auctions Versus like buy it now. Like do you why when do you choose one over the other? Um so this this round of auctions was because we did a live unboxing of a Goodwill blue box. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that was some interesting stuff. <laughs> I get why you um, auctioned it. Okay. Yeah. So we just threw it all up at auction to see what would happen. And several of them got multiple bids. I was Oh really? Yeah. You, he hasn't seen them yet. No. Um, but normally we are mostly fixed price. Okay. Um, I would only use auctions if I had a really hot item um, that I thought then could drive a lot of traffic or if uh, I had an item that I didn't know the value of, you know, then I'd put it up at an auction, let the market decide. But generally speaking, we're pretty much just fixed price. Yeah, sometimes we'll use auctions to blow out old inventory. Okay. Now, you got, so you guys are not in the long game. You're kind of a little more fast nickel. Like you want things to sell. I mean, we all want things to sell, but you want them to sell quickly. For, I would say 90% of our inventory, that is true. Mm. We do have um, some inventory that we're okay setting on for as long as it takes. Mm. Okay. So I'm going to ask some number of questions. So I remember one time on IG story. So you, you'd never have more than a thousand items in your store, correct? Not anymore. Not there anymore. Was a- we got up to 2,500 at one point. Oh, wow. Okay. And what made you shift from, and then how are, how are you able to keep that momentum? You made a shift. I don't remember, but there was something. <laughs> That's a huge gap. 2,500 to 700. Something you know, happened. I probably had a random wild idea on a Monday morning. Well, we, went, we went to eBay Open the first time, which was three years ago. Yeah. And that's when we had 2,500 items up and we ran everything at auction. We All put our entire store at auction. Oh, wow. items at auction. Okay. Can I ask why? Do you remember the why? Oh, yeah. So um, I love a good experiment. I love a good challenge. I always want the data. I want to see the real numbers. Like if you did this, what would happen? So I knew what happens. If you go on vacation and you change your handling time, I know what happens if you go on vacation and you set your store to vacation mode and you change your handling. I had all that data. I wanted to know what would happen if you put everything up to auction and then would that increase in sales then make up for your decrease in your lost new listings and that sort of thing from being on vacation? Hmm. So um, I can tell you, that Friday, so we're at eBay Open, and um, my phone starts going nuts because all of those auctions start ending. We got home. I think we shipped for what, like three days straight. Oh three goodness, days, like ten hours a day. Yeah, like oh, it, 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 it was a bit nutty. Let me jump um, in real quick. You said you had twenty five hundred items, right? 
mm-hmm. and you put them all in auction. Mm-hmm. Does that mean they all like how many of them no. sold? So I think we sold maybe 400. Oh, way more than that. 500. I have never heard a story like this in all my years recently. I've never heard a story. So it's like a good, bad day, right? Or was it total loss? And you're like, Oh, that was a bad decision. It was a bad decision. Mm. Well, what we no, the one thing we did do was we set prices for like the lowest amount we were willing to take on something. So we didn't lose money. So our starting bids, they weren't like 99 cent auction. Okay. So starting bids were like 10 bucks or $20. And yes, we didn't lose from a money standpoint. We came home to a nice bankroll of cash. (sighs) Nice. From a money standpoint, it was great. Um, the problem was we went from 2,500 items to like a thousand items overnight. Mm. <laughs> so then we have like no inventory. We've just gotten back from Vegas from eBay open. You guys have now been to eBay mm-hmm. open. You know what that feels like. And it takes yeah. a few days just to get over to yeah. begin with. Now we have three days of shipping. And so getting that momentum back to getting items into our store, getting items to sell again, it was probably a six week. Yeah. Well, and you had the traffic spike. So you had a huge traffic oh, spike. And we could from never all the auctions, that. You know, and then you just couldn't duplicate it. So it was really difficult to come back. Yeah. From that. It wasn't a good idea. We would never do it again. <laughs> yeah. We would recommend doing it. That's... But um, it was fun to watch all the chichings come in. No, it, it is addicting. I mean, I'm, I miss, I've done auctions before and it's really nice when you, it's a real bidding war. But, mm-hmm. but when it's not, it's not. But yeah, <laughs> you know, it's true. Okay, so so now your store is less than a thousand, right? Yeah. And it's consistently less than a thousand. So you have a high sell through rate. Yeah. So what does that look like? I've heard you say you make you do about fifteen to twenty five listings a day or two hundred a week, right? Yeah. And and then you have to replenish that too, right? Every week. So mm-hmm. how how do you replenish that? Like, what's your week look like? So it really depends on what we're focused on. I, um, when we're focused on eBay, so we generally have one platform over the rest that we're focused on. When we're focused on eBay, we're sourcing probably twice a week. Two to three times a week. It just depends on how much we find. Um, and then, yeah, we're looking for two to 300 items that will sell within a 60-day period at max. Um, and then bring them home, process them, map photographs, everything. I list everything. And we ship together in the morning. Yeah. And we so. ship together in the morning. So, uh, so what kind of inventory are you looking for? So I'm thinking like trying to find 200 items in a week. That seems, that seems like a lot. Are you, are you like diversified in a lot of different niches or are you kind of focused in on, on one specific thing? We do mostly clothing. It's mostly almost all clothing. Okay. Yeah. So are yeah. these bins or thrift stores? Are they, do you have like local connections? I mean, if you want to share. <laughs> yeah, give us your connections. <laughs> well, it's not bins. Okay. We we have bins by our house and they're they're awful. Is it a war zone out there? You're in Illinois. No, I can't it, see that. It's, it's just legit bad. It's, oh, okay. Just bad inventory. Nice, clean. Yeah. There's not a lot of people there. But the <laughs> because quality, there's nothing there. The quality <laughs> I think that they get in is just awful. It's, mm. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's where used stained Morona goes to die. Oh wow, yeah. it's up there with natural issue. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just not good. Um, so it's mostly thrift stores, um, some estate sales, garage sales. Uh, we do some liquidation. We, you know, all the normal. Okay, very nice. And are you doing like men's clothing, women's clothing, both? And and how did you? If you don't mind me asking, because I'm this is clothing is something I'm trying to break into a little bit more. And I've only got like a handful of things. I know a lot of it comes under research, but what was involved in the process of like learning what you're looking for versus like this stuff is just garbage. So when I started, there was no YouTube, there was no smartphones, there was no going to the store and looking things up. You had to learn fabrics you had to learn okay if something's made in italy then it's probably worth more Mm. if you know you learn um stitching that sort of thing and i think those are skills that then help you find those items that nobody's talked about before that you're never you know you've never heard about Mm. but are worth a lot of money 
So I got a question for you. So you guys have been doing this for for a while now, and as a as a pair, as a, as a team, which you know that presents its own positives, and sometimes you know there could be issues for some people. Um, now, my question though is like, what are some tips that you have for resellers to prevent burnout? Because I know even for me, like doing this short time, there's there's times where it's like things sell, and I've got to go ship it and get it to the the office, and I don't want to do it tonight because I've got other stuff going on. Like how how do you prevent burnout? We look at our bills yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we say, we got to work, we got to pay bills. Um, you know, I think it, it's a job mm. for, yeah, us, for, you, yeah. for us. This, this is our job mm. and you, you're going to get burned out. I mean, it's inevitable. There are times where we're like, you know, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do this. It's, it's a job. I mean, you just, but you have to realize we're paying bills with it. So right. we have to do it. But I would say one of the things that I like to do, and he loves it when I do this, um, I love a challenge. I love to try mm -hmm. something new. So any random day of the week, he might get up and I'll be like, I have this idea. We could do this and then we could try this. And then we wind up with 2,500 items on auction. <laughs> <laughs> that is one of the wildest stories we've ever heard. I've ever heard in reselling. 2,500 auction. All right. Keep going. Um, but those kind of experiments, like try the bins, try retail arbitrage. We tried the hard goods. That was an epic fail too. Um, or, or just try going to new, new thrift stores. Yeah. Or new sourcing areas. Someplace that you didn't normally go to. You know, just change it up a little bit. I mean. Yeah, it keeps the Kind of keeps it fresh. Yeah.